Now on BBC One, the comedy musings of Maddie from Waxmaki in A Fool in King Arthur's Horses. At 1800 hours, coverage of the illegal protests and strikes in Tower Hamlets, followed by a panel of specialists analyzing the damages that these anti-patriotic acts of insubordination and lack of morale have done to our society. At 2100 hours, why not restore some of that blitz spirit with a rerun of the documentary Churchill's War on Spies, followed by President Mirrors's Castles of Scotland at 2200. You're watching BBC One. Stay tuned. Yeah, and you approach the tower and uh, Berserker, you immediately get the sense of there are some weird vibes coming on from it. Oh, no. There are no birds inside. There are no ravens in the tower. And where everything else in Tower Hamlets was crowded and all the plots blocked and people on the streets, people seem to be avoiding it. You get a shield down your spine as you sense the presence of magical wards all around it. Well, I relay this. This is some dangerous stuff. There are wards there, there, and there. Are they there to keep stuff out or keep stuff in? They seem to be doing more of the keeping stuff in. Okay, so don't mess with those wards. Good boy. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, Joachim. We are well outside of my area of expertise. I am going to be deferring to you pretty much completely in this situation. So you, uh... Without that one tie back in uh, Patagonia, yeah, this is... We are... You are the expert here. Magic is kind of a little beyond me, so... You take the front and you you tell me what I need to do and you got it. Okay, I, I, I will do that. And I look at their weapons and I'm like... Uh, Possibly the gun. You may want some iron. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no. I can. I can definitely. Not sure how well mortal weapons will work on this thing. Now, here's a question for you. If I were to sort of say tweak uh, these bullets a little bit, maybe turn them into. Is it like uh, like iron? Like the way like like that fairies don't like iron? Is that sort of what we're looking at here? Possibly, but this is a god or a fate or something. I'm pretty unclear of which. I did a little bit of research at a library while we were waiting, though I do not know how it is applied today as, you know, gods are not always the same and they're not always the same in one place to another, despite being considered the same being. Yeah, all right. Um, Well, I guess uh, better safe than sorry. And Johnny walks over to the wrought iron fence there and transmutes it into bullets. Now I'm turning the fence into iron bullets instead of my bullets so that I have both. Yeah. Because that's, you know, just a good idea. I see the news tomorrow. Local cyborg, uh, visiting cyborgs destroy historic fence. <laughs> Somehow transmutes portion of fence into the words suck it. Your powers are too good, Sam, for graffiti. We're, we're, we got to move on. Yeah. So you are suddenly covered in crows. As you start tempering with the Iron Gate. Oh, great. And you get the hinder of minus one crowded. And you hear at the distance, go away. Not safe here. And initiative goes to Highwayman. Does it sound like the person that just, like, that, that whatever said that was a person that we can see? 
can see a shadow next to the tower and you figure that's where the voice comes from. Okay. Did, uh, did the other two hear that as well? Yeah. Okay. I point out the shadow and I'm like, whatever it is, is over there. Probably better because they are not covered by... Yeah, that's probably helpful. I want these crows gone. That's what I would like. I'm going to... I'm just going to burn one of my hero point rewards from last issue, which is a plus one just to neutralize that. And yeah, I'm going to... uh, I'm going to use load. I'm going to create boosts for my gang, my squad. So I boost using signature weapon to create one boost with a max and one boost with a mid. Okay, so I got an eight on the max die, and I also get one with my mid die, so that's a four. Is that a plus two and a plus one? Eight is a plus three, yeah. So it's a plus three and a plus two. Fantastic. Okay, so I'm going to call the plus three. Uh, I'm going to call the plus three. He's over there, and I'm going to call the plus two, and he's got birds. I'm going to hand off to Bezerkir, because I did kind of upfront say that I wanted them to take the lead, so... Berserkir is going to respond to the shadow with neither should you. Old gods need to be asleep. It's not time for you to wake up yet. Well, this one is not going asleep anytime soon. It's awake. I'm trying to keep it here as my friend tries to calm it down. You being here is only going to rile them up. Probably. (laughs) I can assist with that. I know the old ways, at least of uh, my people. I don't know if this is an overcome. Sounds like... I I cannot stop you. I can only warn you. Can I, can I get some suggestions from the group? I don't think we should punch the morgue. Can we punch a deity? Luda, does the deity have a physical form we can land a blow on? Yeah, it just did not enter the scene yet. I also just want to say throwing a bunch of birds at me does in fact seem like he is trying to stop us. I'm just saying. That's just like, that's, <laughs> that seems like an attempt to stop us. I want to say. Well... <laughs> Crows are the third worst thing, or my third least favorite thing to get covered with. You know I want to hear the other two. Um, you're not allowed. Okay. So uh, a hinder might work if you can make some sort of like a mystical hinder. I would say you can try to step in and try to investigate what the hell is wrong with this. And this is represented as yeah generating a boost from what you learn or uh, turning the advantage against them with the hinder. So you can choose dependent on which powers you have that are better with boosts or hinder. So I'm just going to do a generic hinder on the Morrigan. Okay. I'm just going to do a general chant that is supposed to appease certain deities that I know of that are similar to the Morrigan. Eh, minus two isn't bad. Yeah, so you start communing with the local spirits as you draw power to, to power this chant. Mm-hmm. And it is his. You get the sense that there is this peacefulness invading the area, disrupting the bad vibes for a while. Yeah. And there's something a bit off on the way that you are drawing power from the spirits. Like on the grounds around the tower, everything seems to be okay. And you seem to be drawing some power from spirits from the tower, but not as much as you expect, as something is not causing the spirits to react the way that you expected to react, to answer the shunt as it should be working. So who do you hand off to? Oh, 
I am just curious about the tower inverted. So that is going next. So you're trying to go with uh, your investigation and things seem to be calming down. At least whatever it is, the shadow does not seem to be causing problems. And the more again, if it's present, it's staying hidden and it's being suppressed by the shant. But that is when you start hearing shouting and the sound of horses trampling that overcome your shant. And you see a bunch of protesters, cops, some on horses, a few of them on jeeps, entering the tower grounds. And suddenly there is a bleed out of the project and the gates are uh, of the protest and the gates are templed and people are coming in and running and there is chaos going around. And uh, as this is happening, Highwayman, you're going to take three damage as and Jando, you're going to take four as you find yourself in the middle of this struggling against the gates as the protests reignite next to you as Brother Kier is inside the grounds doing the, their best. That's fine. I will take this four damage, but Ludo, as is the truest tradition, I would like to, I would like to sort of respectfully uh, interject. Oof. That uh, you take, whoever hit me also takes four damage back. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that they are not exactly hitting you. It's like, you know, everything that is Cats, canisters flying around, people trampling each other, cops. So I guess you hit some cop. Uh, instead, a cop comes running by, hits me with a nightstick. I just look confused and knock him out. Yeah, and just take a cop out. And yeah, and I guess it's only fitting John Doe. I turn. <laughs> Sam. Uh, for the audience, because, you know, we are a verbal we are a verbal show, and Sam just tried to hide this beautiful thing. Uh Sam ruled this is a boost, plus four, cop, bonk. I can't see the Morrigan yet. Can I try to disperse this crowd to keep... Is the crowd going to keep damaging us, or is this just an environment attack? It's an environment attack. I guess I'm going to create a boost, too. I'm going to get in the perfect position to strike, make sure, you know, everyone else is, because when this thing appears, I'm sure it's going to be nasty. Yeah. A six. That's a plus two. All right. What do you name it? Plus two, lying in wait. And I'll pass off to the Morrigan. Yeah. And as this chaos blades through and as the people slowly try to step away from the tower, partially repulsed by the magical words, you see something steering on the space between existence and... Just like it was popping out of nowhere, there is this furious ball of black crow feathers, serrated beaks and oozing fingers with ever detaching and regrowing silver fingernails creating a hailstorm around it. And it hovers terrifying over Berserkir and unleashes upon them. <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> So that's eight damage. Well, it's minus two. Yeah. That brings six. That'll knock it down to five. I'm going to go ahead and soak that. Hand off to Berserkir. 
All right. Using the boost, I don't know, the one, the plus two that was on the board, Highwayman. Go ahead and just do a power attack on this Morrigan. Racket shit. So that's an 11 on it. Well, that's out. Yeah, uh, the Morrigan did not save. So how do you wreck their shit? So is this spectral or physical or something in between, something other? The silver fingernails in your meat tell you it's pretty physical. Okay. So physical enough. I think they start off with headbutt to get them, get some distance between them. So Berserkir just slams their head into the mass of burbs and steps back in order to get a better swing and just takes a huge chunk out of this elder god or whatever. Not elder god, uh, old god or whatever. I don't know how we're referring to this. I don't even know what. So who you hand off to? Say Omen, so we don't have a big chain. Out of the shadows comes a young man, dark skin, wearing a two-piece suit, an old one, like, you know, like the kind that uh, a factory worker might have for important meetings. And there are a bunch of crows and ravens that are around him. And... He scratches his head. I'm not very good at fighting, but uh, I can. I know a thing or two about a word. And uh, he writes something on a piece of paper, and a bird flies around and drops it over Berserkir. And it's going to be a defense action. And so that's a defense of two on Berserkir. Yeah, hey man, how are you <laughs> dealing with this? In the middle of the, the a protest that is threatening to bleed into the tower grounds, now there is this thing coming out. I think honestly, Johnny's more focused on because, like, I think he thinks the other two are probably going to have to handle the Morgan again, wildly out of his depth on that one. So I'm pretty sure that he's just doing crowd control. Probably, I think I'm just trying to kind of redirect the crowd away from here is kind of the plan. Can I yell something? Yeah. Berserker yells, I think the Morrigan is causing this. Focus down the Morrigan. Okay, I'm going to not do any of the shit that I just said and do that instead. I'm just going to do spin and shoot. Pew pew. It is, it is in fact, pew pew time. I'm using my new cold iron bullets. We did not save, so tell us how it is a good shoot. Yeah, I think as soon as, as Berserker kind of says that, it's just an immediate refocusing and it's a very like in this case it's a completely literal representation it is a spin aim and just like if i can get to like sort of a, a line on whatever would constitute center mass here i am just trying to shoot that cold iron b- bullet just straight through it who do you hand off to i'm going to hand off to tower inverted even though i'm terrified to do so you can see a tourist stumbling around into the grounds, trying to get distance from the protesters and running into the tower. And yeah, there's now a tourist in the scene that seems to not notice the Morrigan and trying to escape the chaos by running straight in into the historical site. Yeah, that's a challenge that has been added. So the Morrigan attacks Berserky for four. With uh, the previous defense action and my own defenses, I take one. <laughs> and 
as you defend it, uh, you see the, the world blinking out and then the Morgan, they seem to kind of split into two and stretch and suddenly part of it is right next to Omen and he says, oh fuck, as it lands on top of him and attacks him too. Thankfully, the crows pull him out of the way and avoid him from becoming a stain against the tower's walls. So, next is Rondo. So, we've got a dude we have to save, Tourist. And we've got this spooky Morgan. Are there now two Morgans, or was that only temporary? It was just the Morgan kind of glitching in and out to stretch the distance. Ah, so not only are we playing Elden Ring, we're playing on PC. I'm going to use my gotta be quicker than that. I can take any two basic actions using acrobatics, each using my min die. I'm going to try and help this guy, and I'm also going to try and ninja kick the Morgan. But you're going to boost the min die. Exactly. I'm going to cash in both plus twos to get a plus four. And a six. I'll take it. I assume that's a minor twist on saving the guy. I'm going to say you you take damage from tangling with the Morrigan. So you're going to take... Uh, damage from the mid day. That's fine. It does not save. So tell us how you managed to hurt the Morrigan and stop this guy before he gets into the tower and gets him to safety. All in one go. I jump from my position where I've been lying in wait. I jump and land hard on the Morrigan, bounce off of it, land in front of him, grab him firmly by the shirt, just, sir, do you really think right now is an appropriate time? Run! Spin around and shove him. Who are you hand off to? Well, there's only one person left, isn't there? No. Everyone acted. You know what? We'll, we'll hand it off to Berserk here. That seems to be going well for us. I'm gonna boost Omen, John Doe, and Highwayman with modification wave. So everybody gets a plus three boost. All right. They hold their weapon aloft and just kind of sh- empower everybody. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And once again, the same, the spirits answer the same way. And finally, you are close enough that you get a better picture. It's like the spirits next to you, the outside of the tower. Most of it, it seems to be getting to you. But at some point, the spirits within the tower, the spirits that make the tower, some of them just does not respond. Uh, I'm going to hand it off to John Doe because I, I, I would like him to get the guy out of there. If he's not, is he already safe? That guy? Yeah, I, I scared him away. Why don't we have Omen go next? Maybe they'll do something real cool. I'll, I'll have Omen go next then. Omen catches his breath and say, hey, you said can help my friend she's not a magician but she has a superpower well she can make a deal with anything and can, can even manage to do so that nobody gets mad that's how she kept the morrigan in check before but it's not working anymore she went back in to make a new deal i think we can generally slow down the morrigan we need to get inside and meet with her see what is happening okay uh, I will hold the Morgan here, for, and if or whatever this is, this aspect. Rest of you get in there. And Omen sends the crowds counting a red, and the doors swing open, and the gate is yeah wide open. So that's going to be a boost. So that's going to be 
plus two, I think. Yeah, plus two, murder the way. So who's gonna go next? You tell us, Ludo. Yeah, but I'm asking you. Who woman will think it's better than morals? I mean, I can go next. I'm gonna run in after Omen. Yoki knows what they are doing, and so I'm gonna follow what they told me to do. They're the lead. They listen to me at the UN. They are the potent mage here. I'm just a guy. I'm running it. Yeah, and even you, immediately when you come inside, as you run, you feel that the vibes are off. Omen tells you, well, we need to enter into the mystical phase of the of the tower, some hidden pocket, let's say. That's, that's how Vivian explains it. We should be able to enter because, again, she's not a magician either, and she was able to come in. She meant something about facing siege perilous. Whatever that means. Facing the siege perilous. What does the siege perilous Fisher King? John Doe's going to look around looking for something that would help him realize what to do. She can do it and she's not a magician. We should be able to do it. I, John Doe's going to try and figure out how to enter this bizarre mystical landscape. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not sure. Out of character. And how are you going to do that? Is this an overcome? Can I argue to make it an overcome? Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on what you're trying to do. John, if a non-magician can do this, John Doe should be able to do it. He knows that there's something more because of, the again, what happened in Patagonia. I'm going to argue that through principle of amnesia, I'm going to close my eyes and envision the siege perilous and basically try to just trust the magical energy to take me there. I'm going to argue this is an overcome using principle of amnesia along with intuition and conviction. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, eight. Yeah, so that's a success. You you find in within yourself an image of the siege peerless, and you walk through the tower and you make your pilgrimage there, and you hear a gasp and open your eyes, and you see Omen pointing to a massive stone table that has been turned upwards so that it's digging its way through the ground like a massive coin and there are a bunch of shares spread across it made of stone too and there is some light coming from the roof and there's a lot of dust dancing under it and you have made your way to the siege perilous who do you hand off to? I'm like all we need is a sword in that table or a stone nearby <laughs> and then john doe pulls the sword and he is now the uh, what, what was the term oh, i forgot the term already the true king of england <laughs> yeah all right we'll pass the tower inverted so you heard as soon as you make your way to the siege perilous you start to hear howling and you see spectral forms coming out, ambushing you. And they are the prisoners that were cl- killed, executed within the tower. So it's a bunch of people, prisoners of World War One and World War Two, demon spies, that their spectral forms appear and they start tearing apart at you in lamentations. And let's see how many ghosts we have here. So that's seven ghosts. Spooky. Very ontological. 
and the environment hands off to ghosts. So that's gonna be four attacks on John Doe, three on Omen. Say the first four are on John Doe. So that's four, six, three, and four to John Doe. Well, the coward in me says to take a uh, full defend, but the brave person in me says, I'm gonna take these, and they're each gonna take these hits back. Let's see. Let's see if Omen manages to save all of the hits. Also, I'm down to two HP, everybody. Damn. I'm not sure I could use my ability since you're now we're in separate areas. Yeah, you are on very separate areas. Yeah. (laughs) They are not even in the current plane of existence. I'm not scared. Okay, at least Omen saved all of them. Omen has cure wounds, right? They're cleric. (laughs) No, but they can defend. One ghost successfully saved. Yeah, so there's like one ghost left of the t- so three of the ghosts basically they turn on each other and just pop out of existence. There are only four ghosts left. This is bad. This is really bad. So let's go. Angry man. Sorry. Okay. What's going on? There's ghosts now. In another dimension. So. I ran away into the Tower of London and entered an alternate dimension. Gotcha. As far as I can tell, what's on the field is still just the Morrigan. Well, you know that uh, John Doe and Omen went to go look for their friend. Okay. On the Siege Perilous. So you know that they wanted to do that. And uh, that uh, Berserkir is holding on the Morrigan as they do that. How is Berserkir hold, like, feeling about the Morrigan as far as like is, do, you, do, like, do you feel like you got it? Should I go after the ghosts? I got it. I would go for the ghosts. If I shoot it again, will you feel more like you got it? Well, it's just that I don't know what the tower or the protests are going to like going to wind up doing next tower inverted. That's what I'm more worried about. I want to get this over with so we don't mess with the tower too much. Okay. So I would say go in, help John Doe and Omen and find that deal maker. I don't know what her superhero name is yet. Let's make a deal. We'll call her. I would be following John and Omen into the portal, I guess. Is there a portal or is it just inside the tower? Yeah, well, you go inside the tower and tell me, Iron Man. So you have powers of transmutations. I do. How does that interact with atoms? Do you sh- can you create atoms out of nowhere? Can you change atoms? What do you do with the energy needed to do that and the energy liberated from doing that? Or you don't really do that? How does that work? So I think Johnny theorizes that it's possible that if he were to channel a, a lot of power into it, he could potentially create atoms. But he's never attempted it before because he thinks it would be incredibly dangerous. So he theorizes that that could happen, but he doesn't. So, I mean, like, yeah, otherwise it, it is pretty much just changing atoms and or uh, like it's either atoms or just or molecules in the case of like what we saw earlier with the stone turning to water. It was just a restructuring of the molecules. Some of the time there is just kind of an ambient like if if it's not anything like the reaction isn't anything super crazy. The power just kind of like just dissipates some. I like I think honestly, probably to some extent, like he probably absorbs some of the energy because 
I think it's kind of a, it's like a, it's, it's essentially like him pumping energy into something and like he basically absorbs some of it just to kind of replenish what he's lost and some of it just kind of bleeds off into the environment but i think that it is entirely possible that if he was trying to change something inherently volatile into something else volatile or volatile or into something inert there might be sort of i don't want to say like a full-on explosion or a blast necessarily but there might be uh, like like some waves of energy that kind of come off it uh, that just sort of like that's kind of how I've how I've been envisioning it, um, which is why every time he transmutes stuff, it kind of ripples outward from whatever he's touching because he does have to be touching stuff or usually he does. I think we we in a previous arc, he might have transmuted something that he wasn't touching, which was like a first. I think I don't know if that happened or not. So as you enter the tower, there's something really weird. You can feel the atoms of the stone around you, of the wood, but there's something off in the structure of them. You touch one of the bricks nearby, and yeah, some of those seem fine, but some of them seem odd. The Well, they are, they are atoms. It's silica. It's, the structure is what you expect, but there's something off, like... The age is wrong. The decay is wrong. Something off-putting. It's not. It's like it's not has the same experience as the other on it. And more critical, you touch one of brick in particular, where it almost seems severed in two. And like half of the brick is one way, and half of the brick is another. And the structures refuse to interact with each other. And you wonder how the brick is even together. And you feel so many bricks like that. Mm. I think if anything, that would just kind of be a red flag for Johnny just being like, hey, probably don't transmute anything right now because it seems like this is, I mean, the, like, am I am I right in kind of understanding that that would read as just like, hey, this seems very volatile. I probably shouldn't. Does it seem like they are very much like kind of in flux and that they could be like that they might react very strongly if I were to do that? Well, it's the thing is certainly unstable, but it's almost like you're perceiving the atoms of two different towers. The tower inverted. Okay, I get it. Hmm. Yeah, but that is when you start hearing the howling of the ghosts. I think almost reflexively, I just like would turn and fire at the remaining ghost or like or would I need to interact with the tower in order to be able to see that. No, no, you just can follow them and you see Omen and uh, John Doe fighting the ghosts in front of the turnover giant stone table. I think his logic here is just like, well, it's cold iron and it works on a weird god thing. Why wouldn't it work on ghosts? And he just shoots at a ghost. Okay, go for it. Yeah, I'm going to go for a called shot here. Uh, So attack with lightning calculator. I'm going to boost John Doe, my max die. Do I still have a plus three that I got from Bezerk here? Didn't we all get one of those? Yep, everyone got it. Fantastic. I'm going to utilize that. So for my attack, I only got a five, but I got a seven for the the boost that I'm going to give John, which I believe is a plus two. Is that correct? Okay, that's ghost is gone. Yeah, so how you hand off to? Okay, I hand off to Morrigan. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, and the Morgan keeps attacking Berserker. But that's five damage. Yeah, I'm going to take that three. It's just three damage right now. Uh, Morgan hands over to Tower Inverted. 
Hi, man. Yes. The instability seems to progress, and you can see that the bricks that are partially of nether tower and don't have integrity, they start shaking, and things start falling over all of you inside the tower. So that's going to be an attack. So that's seven damage to Highwayman, Berserkir, and uh, Jando. Yikes on bikes. Uh, no, wait, Berserkir is not Omen. So everyone inside the tower. Uh, Omen is going to protect uh, himself and Jando. Oh, let's see. Okay, sweet. <laughs> and I'm actually going to, since I haven't acted yet, I'm going to use Ambush Awareness, which is my reaction, and I'm going to defend my Precognition die. So that's two defense on Jondo uh, and uh, defense 10 on Omen. And I got a five. So yeah, so that's two and five respectively for Iron Man and Jondo. So I only take two damage out of the seven, is that correct? Yeah, and Jondo takes five. Fantastic. Uh, also, whoever just hit me takes five. <laughs> Are you gonna hitting the building that is crumbling? He just punches, just punches the falling apart building. It's just take that, motherfucker. I hate London so much. Yep, I'm over it. I kind of imagine the bricks are falling on John Doe and he's just like, yeah, and knocking them like to the side into the walls. (laughs) Why do my fists hurt? Hey, it's not just my fists that hurt. (laughs) Okay, John Doe, go. Well, I guess I'm going to look for Vivian, the person who can make these deals we're supposed to help somehow. There are still three ghosts. Oh, there are still three ghosts. And I, but I don't have any boosts on the table, so I can't attack a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I could. I think there's one left from Omen, boosted last turn, I think. Yes, at plus two. Okay, then you know what? I'm going to attack using my super strength. A four on one of the ghosts and a six on another. You apply to the dice, so if it's applying to the same dice, it's six to both. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Apply, use to attack one extra target for each bonus I have. Yeah, so. Yeah, and uh, two ghosts out. There's only one ghost left. So who next? You know what? I'll pass to Omen. Let's see what he can do. (laughs) Words. I've got one HP. I'm okay with that. Yeah, Omen tries to exercise the last ghost, and uh, it does not seem to have much effect. Uh, he's got, this is not what I'm good at. And you can hear groaning from the other side of the table. Vivian? Sounds like it. And off to Berserkir. Okay, it's not much I can do right now. I'm just going to hit it, try and weaken it some more. Maybe that'll help. I mean, if you give 12 damage, they are out. 12 damage? I possibly could do that if I spend a boost. You still have the plus two that you gave everyone, right? It doesn't say other nearby targets. It says multiple nearby targets. So if I could give it to myself, I would. You could. That's a nine. Yeah. So they are pretty beaten. So how are you hand off to? Okay. Okay. I got a question. Do we want to risk getting hit by the Morgan, just the Morgan, and just try and have Highwayman take out that ghost? I think that might be smart. Yeah, I'm going to pass it off to Highwayman. Yeah, Highwayman, murder that ghost at D4. I would like to slay the ghost. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, so that's a six to attack the ghost, and I rolled a 10 to boost John Doe. So that's plus three for you, John. It's a nice little treat for you there. Thanks. You get to have. 
Yeah, the ghost is out. So because there are no combatants, would you want to do anything before you have to pass off? I just kind of turn to John and say, all right, I'm along for the ride, whatever we're doing. But like, let's do it quick. This tower, I think, is not in the best of shape. So let's move things along. John Doe looks back, looking punched out as all hell, kind of swaying. Just, you got it, Iowa man, let's do it. I will pass to the only remaining actor, the Morrigan. So the Morrigan attacks Berserkir. That's two damage, so nothing. Yeah, I was trying to say, <laughs> yeah. And let's head off to Berserkir, so maybe we finish this. I guess so. I will try and finish this. Mm-hmm. And then I'll run in and try and try and help the other people inside the or what is what is the what is the reaction of this monster, I should say? What is like does it disappear? Do I sense it disappearing? And that's the weird thing. It disappears, but you stop sensing it and you realize a thing that you were not really paying attention to the effect. Because there was so much thing that you were not sensing, you were also not sensing the Morrigan. Yeah. As in, you were sensing the way that everyone else was sensing it. You're not sensing the way that you usually sense gods and spirits. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. This was just something else. I had my suspicions, but I didn't state them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you rejoined the others to finish it fighting the ghosts. And Omen runs to the other side and uh, gasps. Uh, I will pass it to Omen then. See what they have to say. I mean, we are out of initiative until someone else joins. I mean, there are literally no enemies, so it's like, <laughs> kind of pointless. It's just like, if you do too many actions, I have the tower inverted or something. So that wasn't the Morgan. I don't know what it was, but it was not uh, of the spiritual or divine nature. Weird. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I can't tell if that is actually more or less troubling. I'm leaning towards more. I don't feel great about it. Let's see what's going on with... I'm going to look over. Berserkir, the same feeling that you are outside, you're surrounded by it. It's like all the spirits on this part of the tower, on this dimension, it just they just feel wrong. Like they are there, but it's, they are very distant. As if there is a blanket of water between you and them. Like you don't know them. They don't behave or act or feel like the way that other spirits do. If you turn around, you see the Siege Perilous, the most dangerous seat of the round table. So the table is turned on its side and bound to the table, being broken on it to keep the union together. You see the woman that can make any deal, Vivian Singh, tearing herself apart. She is straining and she managed to use the words, I don't understand. The Morrigan, she does not listen to me anymore. She does not come to the table. Ah! She groans as the table shakes again. I'm wondering if John Doe and I can write the table, as, as we would like to say. You know, each get on one end and try and, you know, put it up to where it's supposed to be, laying for, like how it's supposed to be on the floor. Uh, yeah, the thing is, on the side that she is, she's gonna, she is on the downside. Oh, oh, I thought she was on the top. If you want to keep her, you're gonna have to, you know, put it horizontal, but uh, on the other, wrong side. Huh. 
or conversely convince her to let go. I mean, she's not here because she's enjoying this. No. So you're trying to hold all of the UK together here, Vivian? This is... No, that makes no sense. I I don't really understand magic. No, nobody really does. I don't either, but I understand the deal. I understand that the Morrigan, she was unhappy with us. And I was trying to make things happen. And it has been working. It has been working so well for the last month. I've been able to negotiate with her. But something is wrong. The Siege Perilous, it's hurting me. It's not supposed to. And the Morrigan, it just does not answer the way it did. She does not even look like the way it did. So, Berserker, give me an overcome. A very important overcome. Oh, boy. <laughs> Bl- uh, I'm going to cash in a plus three. Cash in. I was about to say that. And can I? which one should I use? Principle of Destiny or Principle of Mastery? Which one do you think more applies? Uh, mastery. Mastery. Okay. So. All right. So, you succeed and uh, you realize two things. This is not working because this is not the Siege Perilous of our world. This is not the Morrigan of our world. Mm. These are from somewhere else. And of course, the Morrigan being an embodiment of the land and the justice of land, this Morrigan does not recognize any of the you remotely close to it. So, of course, they don't answer. And... The Siege Perilous deems Vivian unworthy because, again, it's the Siege Perilous of another world. More important, Berserkir, you linger on the fact that she said two days ago that this has been going out of control and she's been trying and suffering on Siege Perilous over this time. That was you adjust for the time zones correctly and you realize, huh, weird. That was on the same day that John Doe called us. So whatever happened to make this shift in reality of part of the tower and of the Morrigan, that happened on the same day that John Doe called you. John Doe, what happened? Why, why did you call us here? What was the reason? I got into a dust-up with Monocle. There was the, the football hooligan. I got teleported. You got teleported? Yes. Who teleported you? Voidwalker, I needed to get somewhere really fast, and and John Doe kind of like clutches his head like he's got a headache, thing, and there, it was weird. I, I don't like getting teleported the way Voidwalker does it. I wonder if they did something. And they said it was weird for them too. They passed out too. They passed out. Something's yeah. Get her down from there. This is not our world. This is some other world. That's why it's not working. But these are beings, not to, these are uh, uh, to, from a parallel. They're I, I don't know how to really explain it very well. They're they're the concepts, but they're not from our world. So get her down. Vivian, you gotta get down. Joachim knows what they're talking about. Sure, and uh, Omen uh, helps you take her out and you're leaving. And so the thing is, you still have this part of reality that is not reality superimposed over the tower. So you need to get rid of it somehow. So, does any of you has any idea how to expunge this reality away? Well, there's only one other person that Berserk here knows that knows how to deal with other realities, and that's the medievalist. Or alternately, I don't know, Highwayman can try his transmutations too. 
disconnect the foreign matter. Yes. Can you turn it off? In, you know, like the radio or the television, uh, Highwayman. Somehow, there's got to be a like a, a, a lever or a, a, a proverbial lever or a proverbial switch somewhere. I think you can access it. Is there any like center point of this energy that Johnny can tell? You know the borders. That's the thing that you figure before. How well you can actually do that, that will depend how the results of the challenge will go. Yeah, I think Johnny's gonna just gonna try and use transmutation, I think, to try and I guess just kind of like like essentially I mean like if it if it's a matter of like manipulating atoms, I think he's just trying to kind of detach these two the atoms of this world and the atoms of the other world from one another so that the other world can kind of fade back into itself. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, what do I, what do I need to roll here? guess I'll just do transmutation and uh, I guess deep space knowledge. <laughs> yeah, weirdly. But yes. Yeah. Uh, do you think you prepared for a scenario like this? Like a mass transmutation event? I mean, like, probably to an extent just based on having practiced a lot of stuff before, but like that last time that I did a super big transmutation, kind of the first time that it happened. So I think he's been working on it when he can. So, I mean, like, it's kind of just like, all right, well, I've been, I've been working on this, like time to just, you know, rubber's got to hit the road sometime. All right. That was dictation. I got a six. I'm going to snap up those plus ones, turn it into a plus two. Now it's an eight. You draw open your powers and you detach the fake tower from reality and tapping the energy that is being released of that a massive burst of energy equivalent to multiple nuclear explosions you convert that into gathering the lost atoms across the multiverse back together and reassembling the Tower of London and Omen is holding a very tired Vivian did it work? I think Highwayman just performed an act of God. <laughs> this, I want to be clear, just looks utterly wild. I mean, there are these like huge like bursts of very bright flashes of light and like all of this sort of stuff going on. It almost looks like he's standing in like a nebula. Um, and after that just kind of fades, he fully just fully collapses onto the ground. He is like basically completely exhausted. And he's like, honestly, if that if that didn't if that didn't work, I, I I'm I'm I quit. I'm done. That's it. I'm so tired. Highwayman. Yeah. I take back everything I said. John Doe all lump face as he helps Highwayman back up. You are definitely the coolest member of System Four. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I think we should get out of here before the cops arrest us. So Berserker grabs the bike and seconded. Yeah. We see Highwayman kind of like stiffen just for a second and he turns much as like with like all of the energy he can muster and puts a hand very firmly on John's shoulder. He says, John. Yeah. I need you to drive. And he just like fully, I mean, like fully collapses into the sidecar and just like passes out. All right. If you ever find yourself wandering the streets of Santiago in the year 70X, perhaps you can join us for lunch at the Little Expat Restaurant. 
known as the Cousiner's Song from Fears. take to lunch well definitely enrique well yeah enrique is the, is our is our guiding star yeah he's always loitering around is enrique this podcast's mascot <laughs> against <laughs> popular demand yes <sighs> <laughs> yes 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 uh cursed so yeah i hadn't thought about it until now but that's it does track I mean, Monocle. thought we were doing Monocle. Oh, Monocle. I love it. So, yeah. So, who is the chef that has teaching that duties today on Cousiner Sun Frontiers? Which specialist? So, we've done... Previously, we've done someone who was a fritterer. And what was the other one we had? Patisseur. We did a fruitier, patisseur, a grillardine, and a pasta chef. Should we do a... I'm going to butcher French here. Everyone get ready. Uh, Poissonneur, fish chef. Uh, Poissonnier. That could be fun. Yeah. I'm Look, I barely speak English. I'm sorry. But I think that might be kind of a good round out. Yeah, especially considering the fishing going on. Yeah, I was about to say, have it just be a really sort of wide-ranging seafood lunch. I would be down for that. Sounds great. What can you tell me about the Poissonnier of the Cuisinier Sans Frontiers? I almost feel like they should be a local because fish is such like a very regional specific thing that tastes wildly different region to region. I agree with that. And these are all veterans of the invasion. Well, or tend towards. Santiago is not exactly on the coast. So how local is local. That's fair. Yeah, I guess like I guess we maybe dial that in a little bit. At least this is a this is a a Chilean native, like someone who is who is who is from there. Can I throw out a weird can I throw out a, like a like a, a distinguishing physical characteristic? Absolutely. Because of this person's background before they were on the culinary side of fish, they were on the dock working like fishing side of fish. I'm missing all of the fingers except for the thumb on their left hand. I like that. It was just a thing on a boat. I don't I, maybe maybe we know about it. Maybe we don't. But yeah, it was a thing that happened on a boat. And they tell tall stories about it. That's what they say. So nobody knows the true story or they do and they don't know if it's the true story. <laughs> For a super person who helped fight during the invasion, uh, they have power. They have control over water. OK, this is so important. Are we about to make our weird Aquaman jokes in any way remotely canon? Because we can't. No. Look, Aquaman can't control water. Oh, that's true. Just the things in it. Yeah. And it'd be kind of weird to be a fish chef who could directly communicate with fish. That'd be a little, that'd mess me up a little. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to miss you, Jeremy. All right. So pronouns do they use? I like she, her for this. How does everybody feel about that? Um, Yeah. Sounds great. And now we just need a name. What about, this is, this is fun. What if her actual name is Santiago? 
but because she doesn't want people to like be weird about it and make like you know dumb like uh, you're named after the city like kind of bitch, she just calls herself Santi. I like it. So the I know we just said it. Poissonier is Santiago, a a veteran of the uh, defending side of the invasion, who has hydrokinesis. Missing all the fingers except the thumb on her left hand, who maintains tall stories about it and is one hell of a sh- of a fish cook. Yeah, and uh, what is the specialty that uh, the students have been practicing that is on the menu? And of course, what is the soup? For the specialty, how do people feel about ceviche? I was also thinking ceviche. One brain, dude. Well, I will nod and pretend I know what that is. Ceviche is delicious. It's like uh, it's it's typically like raw fish or shellfish that is basically marinated in a very uh, acidic uh, thing, usually citrus um, and the citrus usually limes, especially, especially limes. Um, yeah. And the citric acid functionally cooks the fish. So ceviche is rad. It's very good. I recommend giving giving it a try when you get the chance. And what is the soup? Do we want to be a fish soup or some kind? Yeah. Ooh, I have I have something. I have a thing. Um, what you thinking, Sam? So okay, it's actually uh, it's it's a uh, it's a chipino, which is um, it, it it is it is not. I don't think it's an Italian dish. I think it's an Italian American dish, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is from San Francisco. And uh, yeah, it's just like a it's like a just a whole mess of fish and shellfish and all in like a like a red sauce like like soup yeah just basically like tomato wine a whole bunch of just a whole mess of seafood sounds good yeah sounds exactly the kind of things that uh, you're going to have a lot of ingredients after the students are done practicing yeah so you get to your boot and you hear a car speeding out outside and you see your very confused guest coming in, holding keys on his hands, caught in, in another, looking around. Where the hell is the valet? Um, there's there's no valet here, man. Oh, uh, I kind of wanted him to hand him to like just a random person and never get that car back. <laughs> <laughs> like here. <laughs> it's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> they run off with the car. I feel like Johnny just kind of always defaults to the to like this. I mean, this is very telling for both. I think him and for me, uh, he always defaults to the hospitality position in this. And so he's like, yeah, you can just uh, you can hang your coat up on the rack there. Uh, as far as the keys go, you can just stick them in your pocket. We don't really have a this isn't a valet type place. Really? You invite me for lunch to a place that you don't even have a valet. I went through all the trouble of actually getting the Austin Martin today. See, here, here. well, also because you wrecked my Lotus. Sorry, it was a nice car, and I just and and it was a beautiful car. That's you know that is a shame. Listen, uh, I, it feels like you might be sort of focused on the trappings rather than sort of what you're here for. The food. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you. You're here for the food and maybe for the company. That's remains to be seen. But uh, I, I promise you, the, the, the food's incredible. Don't don't worry too much about about the environs just kind of you know focus on focus on the outcome all right all right i'll bite honestly this place looks like a diner huh looks can be deceiving it's a it's a specialty diner they owe huh 
Honestly, I, I mean, it's my understanding that that was actually uh, the intention of the look, but I think looks can be deceiving. We're also a bit part of the intention. All right. Who's ending the drinks? Oh, let, let, let me get in. And I, I go in the back and I just get the beer that's there. Do they have some wine or at least a martini? I don't know if they do much uh, in the way of martinis here, although uh, I do have some. I did sort of put in an advance order some, for some fairly nice scotch after the meal. So at least we'll have that. Uh, as far as wine goes, they have a fish cook. They should have some wine in here. Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, yeah, I was about to say. As far as wine goes, we've definitely got we've definitely got some some stuff in the stores down. Uh, yeah, uh, and Johnny kind of like goes and leans into one of the curtained like alcoves and can clearly be seen talking to somebody and comes out with a uh, a nice bottle of uh, white wine. I'm imagining. I mean, we are doing seafood, so I'm imagining something kind of dry and very citrusy, probably like a thinking a Sauvignon Blanc. Ah, good deal. I'm actually impressed that you are able to get something of this taste here. Maybe this meal is more promising than a first thought. Uh, this one's actually, uh, this this is, this wine's actually from Chile. Uh, it's a, uh, yeah, it's uh, not, I can't say it's local, but it's at least from in country. So uh, you may, you may not have had this particular, this particular vintage before. Oh, I did. Not usually to the taste of the circles that I have, but that was one of the things that uh, we actually appreciated from Chile back home. Chilean wine scene's only gotten a little more interesting in recent months, but you know, if you like that sort of thing. Yeah, the invasion. The John Doe pops open a soda. Hmm. Wine is always better when it is interesting. Everyone can find decent wine that fits most tastes, but it's the capricious flavors that are the harder to find and it's special type of palate to appreciate mm -hmm. this is this is promising yeah so uh the whites to go with the the whites to go with the first part of the meal i've got some i've got a red for for the second part uh and johnny just uh goes ahead and just opens a bottle and and uh pours glasses for himself and for monocle um he offers to uh bezerk here although i know that they did already find some beer i don't know uh yeah uh, uh I can just pour you a taste if you want. Yeah, taste taste. I I don't you know, normally do wine. Home climate is not very uh, grape friendly. Sure sure. Uh, pours a uh, a taste for Bezerk here and then kind of uh, offers the bottle uh, sort of in a like a like basically offers it toward a glass but while looking at Enrique and he's like Enrique you uh you want a glass? I know it's better if I don't start early gonna have a long day today so I'll not be drinking that much Enrique that is it's an extremely responsible thing for you to say I'm I, I, I've got to be honest I'm very proud of you that was great uh, it's good for you man what do you plan on doing today Enrique I gotta know I'm gonna see the grandkids oh and uh, yeah I need all the energy I can get mm -hmm. how are they how are they how are they doing it's been a, been a spell since I saw them yeah, they are doing fine. They they are leaving for the scouts tomorrow, and uh, their parents they decided, well, we're gonna travel to Santiago, so let's see old grandpa then. I mean, hey, you know, take the times you can, if you can get them. That's great. Yeah, there were some there were some things in that sentence I wasn't I'm not I'm not wild about, but that's fine. This is like you know, family's important. You know, like the kids go to the, the cyber scouts. I may have misunderstood. Sorry, uh, I'm used to the American connotation of the scouts. I didn't realize. I didn't think too much about. Yeah, 
No, not that weird British organization. You're they're they're fine. Oh well, then fantastic. That's a, yeah, that's excellent. I mean, I don't see the problem with that. I went to the cadets when I was 14 and made me the man I am today. And Monocle opens up a casing inlaid in silver and takes out a cigar, which you can see there are three golden rings on a specific pattern and it is monogrammed with an L at the end. So you know that these are custom cigars. Monocle, you know, you... I knew you were a scout without you telling us. I knew it. Picked up on it somehow. I'm pretty good at that. It, it does track. I'm going to be on. Yeah. Also, it is. You know what? Never mind. I'm not going to. There's no reason to. We're breaking bread here. Monica, what about you? You got anyone special at home? England, of course. Besides. And I always have space for more. Oh. I, I do want to just throw this out there. I think that John was asking about like specific people like that you know friends relatives not just sort of a concept of a country and you can see that he's trying to force a smile but uh, his eyes are not smiling they are not following up really you will think that you will know better than to ask that question i mean i'm not you were there after all uh, so like don't misunderstand i think i, I think it was just a you know, like sort of a general kind of interest in just sort of like how things are. Like, we're not trying to, we're not squeezing information out of you. We're just having lunch. Yeah. Also, Monocle, I don't know how many times I can tell you. I don't, I may have been there. That's cool. I was this, I, I don't remember. Well, let me tell you. She was involved with some nefarious people that we fought together and they got her. And I went through the motions of vengeance. And you gave me a shook up that vengeance was not a thing to, for me to pursue. That I had two paths in front of me. Either I would quit Monocle, I would tell Odin, fuck off. And I would try to find meaning in life, like the way that I would have done as we wanted. Or I would forget about her, I would forget about vengeance, and I would continue serving the queen. Simple as that. And yeah, and I guess you can follow the rest. Uh, Monocle, I'm sorry, but Passy sounds like he sucks. I was going to say, like, yeah, yeah, you should have gone the vengeance route. Honestly, the whole thing sounds really, I mean, if if I may, the whole thing sounds extremely tragic, uh, both in sort of the outcome, the events. I mean, yeah, just uh, yeah, that's that sounds really hard. I'm really sorry that that happened. Yeah, I'm sorry Passby gave you that advice. Yeah, now your friend's soul can't rest without the vengeance. I don't know about all that, but... I don't know. I think you gave me the right advice to put me on the path of solace. Vengeance is not that useful, so I pick a justice instead. I mean, I'm glad you found it uh, worthwhile. Um... At this point, if there's like pre-dinner bread or if the soup has arrived, John Doe just starts eating it as fast as possible <laughs> just to try and like not talk for a minute. And Enrique, of course, not reading the moment at all. Oh, I know that's, that's a new one. How come you are filling yourselves in the soup? I, I, have you had, I mean, have you eaten the soup? It's Yes, that's mostly all that I eat. It, that's the point. But you always complain when I just come here and only eat the soup. 
I'm gonna eat more than the soup, but this is this is Chipino. I I spent several years wandering, well, several months wandering California. This is where it came from. I love Chipino. Also, honestly, just you know, I would I would say in this particular instance, the soup is very much. Uh, an important part of the meal. I mean, like, you know, the, um, Johnny is like kind of reaching into the soup and doing uh, what you kind of have to do with Chipino, which is like he's, you know, he's like pulling uh, muscles out of their shells and casting the shells aside. And he's just like, you know, he's shelling shrimp and stuff and kind of mixing things together. He's taking the bread and dipping it into the soup. Um, he's just like, yeah, it's kind of a pretty uh, sort of uh, a- as soups go. This one, this one's pretty intensely hearty. So, uh, it's definitely going to be sort of a, a main component of the meal here. The uh, the the ceviche is fairly light, all things considered. So, well, but I have to agree with your friend over there. This chipino and it's a rather low class soup, even if the ingredient seems to be spectacular. It seems kind of a waste, to be honest. How can a food be low class? Oh, my friend, <laughs> clearly that you did not spend enough time on Britain. What? Uh, hey, y'all eat fish and chips. That's just low class. Uh, like, that's a garbage slice of meat deep fried, which is <laughs> just designed to make it taste slightly better. Yeah, everything tastes better deep fried. Sorry. Hang, uh, hold on. What? What? May, we may cut this from the recording. I don't know. Does Monocle have a name? Do we know Monocle's name? You know that he isn't Lazenby, but I, you don't know his first name. But on the on the on the monogram, it is JL on the monogram on the cigars that you are seeing. Oh, please tell me his name's not Giles. <laughs> no. Uh, is it George? No. It feels like it's George. <laughs> no. It's actually it's it's Jeff, but it's spelled the the bad way. <laughs> Bad Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Johnny leans in to Monocle and he's like, okay, two things. The first, uh, Monocle, do you have a like a a regular name I can call? It feels weird to use the pseudonyms here. You have a regular name I can call you. It doesn't have to be your real name if you're not comfortable. Just something that I can call you. You can call me Lazenby. That feels a little weirdly sort of stiff. Well, I guess it is British. Yeah, all right, whatever. My second question, uh, Lazenby, have you tried the Chipino yet? No, I'll have some. Okay, uh, remember, remember kind of what I said about not focusing on the edifice so much as like the, the experience itself? Yeah, that seems to be a common thing with your people. I guess that's why last time that uh, you were on a high profile, high etiquette environment, it turned out the way that it did. You're not supposed to shove foreign diplomats through the canopies, you know? <sighs> Look, Lays, you were there. It I didn't shove him through the canap through the canape table. I uh I threw him bodily. Kind of a hip kind of a hip toss. Also I am gonna have Yeah, it seemed like it was yeah. It looked like it, I mean I, I'm not I'm not sort of an expert in the in the physical I, as much as as much as you are, but that's uh, from what you've shown me, that's about that's what, about what it looked like. Hey, uh, Lysenby, I just real quick, I am going to have to sort of insist because uh, we are here for a meal. Uh, go ahead and try that. Try that Chipino for me. Like like nowish. Uh, you know, just get in there with your fingers. I promise we will have we will make sure you have all the necessary accoutrement to watch up. Just don't be shy. Get in there. And he takes a half spoon of it, puts it in its mouth. Hmm. 
the tomatoes they are amazing they have a light flavor to it it is not overwritten by the spice hmm this is remarkable go ahead and uh hey. So uh, what you need to do, go in there and get you a muscle out. All right. Dip some bread into the sauce and then put the muscle on top of the bread. Eat it as a single bite. It's going to blow your mind. I'm going to have to take your word for it. Now, what do you people do for fun here? Can I can I just can can I stop you on the you people? You can just say you what it, or, or y'all or you all or however you, you say that. And it's just it's it y'all. Or Chileans, or System 4, pretty much anything but you people. It feels very targeting. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... it. Well, I don't know what to, tell, to call you three. You're not agents of something. You're not superheroes. Or are you? We, we, we're not? What? Well, we have names. You can also just say you three. That's... Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah, so what do you try to do to entertain yourselves? Uh, we definitely go fishing. Do you gamble? Huh. I fit, yeah, I fish pretty frequently. Uh, yeah, that was, you should have said like just before we came to Britain. Oh God, this big fish story. Go ahead. Hook this. We hooked this giant. What was it again, Enrique? What what type of fish was it? It was. It was huge. Actually, I did not see the whole thing. I was looking for uh, for the flash for the camera to to take a photo. I actually did not take a good look. Oh, Enrique didn't see it either. Hmm. Okay, but he does remember that the fish was very big. That's why he was just like he didn't see what species of fish it was. He saw it was enormous. That's why he was looking for a camera. Well, the whole thing was shaking. The whole thing was shaking. I could barely move across the boat. Thank you. Enrique is a witness. Enrique saw this happen. Yeah, I had to jump in the water and just look. It wasn't just the two of us. It was it was uh, it was us and Enrique. Enrique is backing us up. I'm just saying it was huge. And Monocle raises his cigar. Now, how many drinks had your friend there at the time? Because, you know, after three or four, maybe everything starts shaking on a boat. You know, especially, you know, it's a boat. It's on water. Well, we, 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 uh, then. I mean, I'm not keeping track of him. I'm not his dad. <laughs> Joking just starts trying to count on their fingers. Maybe four or five good beers. Maybe. Oh, wait, were you asking about Joachim or were you asking about Enrique? No, I'm talking about Enrique. I don't know. Oh, oh, you were keeping you were keeping track. I wasn't keeping track. Uh, of course I was keeping track. We were on a boat. You don't want to get too drunk on a boat. Hey, Joachim, that's this is the second time I've said this in this single conversation. That's extremely responsible of you. And I very much appreciate that. Honestly, look, I just I have a hard time believing that you all hooked the this giant catfish or whatever no it definitely wasn't a catfish after the spurious claims by one of your co-fishermen that he also hooked a statue of ancient atlantis last summer uh while they fish i i don't know i go on runs it's got some beautiful scenic parks there's uh, apparently a very big club scene i try to uh, indulge in the arts whenever i can i'm pretty busy i teach at the university so uh, you know, I, I do sort of between that and like actual work. Uh, I don't have a lot of time, but, uh, you know, museums, theater, when I can get it. Yeah, it's always good to indulge in the arts. I love to go to the opera myself, but most of the 
necessities of my job take me to private resorts, private islands, casinos, that kind of things where the rich near the wells tend to go. Yeah, those sound like really heavy obligations to be sure. Funny enough, I mean, our our jobs take us to similar places. You know that. Really? What is your casino game of choice? Poker? Oh, uh, actually, believe it or not, as much as I've forgotten a great many things, I picked up a deep and a body love of Baccarat when I was uh, wandering Vegas for a while. Now that's impressive because I remember you sucking at Baccarat. Oh, I mean, I'm not great at it, but I still love it. I'm a I'm a I'm a hold'em kind of guy. It's just sort of my thing. I do love some good hold'em. Terrible at blackjack, and at a roulette table, I am the worst. Unless I need to throw something. I mean, I like roulette. I, I can't say that I uh I don't know the uh the complexities, the ins and outs of it. That's not so much my thing. It's fun. Uh, but yeah, I guess if I'm sitting down with the intent to gamble, I'm probably playing. I'm probably playing hold'em. Wait, with your powers, aren't you? Banned by like the gaming commission for playing. Johnny takes a just a long uh, sip of wine, looking over the back of the booth, um, as if he is not paying attention and uh, thinking about uh, the the ceviche course that's coming. And then he turns back around and he says, "Sorry, uh, what were we talking about?" You know what? I'm not. Look, we've all got our problems with the Nevada Gaming Commission. I'm not going to bring it up. Uh, I'm just saying they should have sent more guys to throw me in, but. What about you, Monica? What's your game? Your game of choice is uh, poker? Oh, poker and background. Yes. I mean, I'm actually happy that you don't remember that you lent me seven million. The last mission that we did together for me to infiltrate. I lent you seven million dollars? Yeah, well, it was Uncle Sam's money, so who's counting? Oh, I mean, out of his military budget? That's nothing. I bet you they haven't even noticed that's gone yet. Yeah, they're still they're probably still working on the paperwork, honestly. Note that. Yeah, we probably will. Note that uh, American military budget has lost what, like how much money? Literally lost. They have no idea where it is. John Doe did. Yeah. So it's all John Doe. That's actually the reason. <laughs> That's, it's it's yeah. like John Doe lending money because at the time he was just like, I don't give a fuck, whatever. This is the military budget. Who should, just like, Yeah, it was my first operation and uh, I must have lost two schools and a hospital at that table. Seven million. I can't imagine a point where I would have had seven million dollars. Uh, Lazenby, I'm going to be honest with you. It is deeply troubling that you framed that money through the context of two schools and a hospital. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong in terms of the valuation. That makes sense, but uh, maybe just don't talk about it that way. That's just that's upsetting to kind of think about. Yeah, well, fucked up. Well, it's important to see what is at stake. That's how I keep going. How I do what I need to do. I need to remember what is being sacrificed and the costs of failure of letting these people live another day. You know, what is the ceviche going to get here? So Santiago comes in and uh, suddenly Monocle is putting the, the charm. Oh my, such expect crafting names. Lazenby, George Lazenby. Oh my God, it is George? I thought that was the joke. It is jo- okay. So just like you have a first name that you are willing to give people, it's just that you didn't give it to us. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily do the whole thing you're doing with Santi. She's not. Um, 
wild about that kind of that kind of sort of uh, approach. Maybe just like act like a human. It's just a suggestion. Asking a asking monocle a British person to act like a human. Tall request. Honestly, yeah, of course. What was I thinking? And now, now, now you. Sp- now you speak as we did not receive you in our home with all the hospitality that you deserve. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Monica. I'm making a joke with you. Also, I do want to say something. It's like you did shoot at us repeatedly. Yeah, you did shoot at us multiple times with guns and fist fight us. Like I went to see a piece of theater and did not bring much in the way of guns, which I just, if you know anything about me, you know that that is highly unusual. Hold on. Um, don't lie to Monocle. You brought these guns as uh, John Doe starts flexing. Rip shirt. <laughs> so it's Johnny just sort of like leans down onto the table and like just grips the, the bridge of his nose with his fingers. And he's just like, Joachim does the same. That joke just never gets old. I tell you what, let's never tired of it. Never. Well, it's good to see that some things never change even after amnesia. Uh, well, you are terrorists on an historical landmark. I'm a secret agent. Uh, like, do the math. You should have thought about that before becoming terrorists. Before becoming the bad guys. When they catch secret agents and execute them, they call them terrorists. Hey, I also need to just sort of dial in. This is we're talking about sort of some very important stuff, and that's all great. I do want to check in, though. Did you just mention that John Doe was like this before with the way we know him now? He also. Oh, yeah. He was my best friend. You know, we're going to unpack that in a minute. Um, But the the flexing, the the guns thing, did, did he also just do that with that? Was that still a thing? Yeah, whenever he thought that people were not looking, he will do that. And then deny that he did it. Oh, you see, I'm totally different now. Well, I'll be damned. Oh, I do it. Yeah, now he doesn't deny it. That's true. Yeah, no, he makes a very he makes a very strong point of doing it now. Also, on the note of that historical landmark, that wasn't our fault. That was interdimensional beings fault. Wait, what? Nothing. That is true. We did go to another dimension. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty cool and scary. You know you shall not be doing. Yeah. Didn't have much of a choice. Yeah, it wasn't like it was an option that was extended. Well, actually, we did have a choice. We could have not gone there at all, but... Uh, Things would have got real bad. The, it doesn't seem like the people... Yeah, the, the people there weren't handling very well. Yeah, that's usually how I do. That's how you get... Uh, well, that's how you get erased from resistance. Yeah, it was pretty scary. That's what happened to the agents before what? Well, it seems to have worked out okay for us. We're here eating lunch. Uh, Santi, by the way, speaking of lunch, uh, the Chipino, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I mean, just, uh, I, I feel like if I were to do the chef's kiss, it would feel like I was being ironic. I'm not. This is this is just utterly incredible. Are you going to get something else? I can uh, prepare something quick for you. So, uh, honestly, uh, the ceviche, uh, it, I mean, it sounds delightful to me. Uh, I, I think we're all sort of in agreement about that. If you have something else that you're that you're interested in in making, uh, we would be happy to be surprised. But uh, other, you know, we don't want to. We don't want you to have to do any extra work about it. Well, I have a lot of cuts that some of the students they then and put to the side. I do not found them ready for Chevispe. and I was wondering if maybe I can do something with it for you. Sounds good to us. 
That's, yeah, that, that would be an absolute delight. I would be I would be very, very honored. Just not Ludafisk. Yeah, Dan. No. No. We will need uh, we'll need to close the place to disinfect it from the smell. We never are doing to do this ever again. Yeah. We'll never have Ludafisk again. Yeah. You had it once. <laughs> Yeah, if you go to the second floor, you can still know. Yeah, they, they did. They did do it once. And, you know, experience is good for all of us. And I think that's about the most I need to say. I like it. Enric says, that character. Plus you would. That's, you know. Yeah, uh, well, they didn't do anything for me either. That that tracks. I, I will say that he's not joking. He did like it. As I mean, it was honestly the enthusiasm with which he approached the Ludafisk was... Um, you know, once you get older, you do start to have to kind of keep an eye on certain sort of uh, elements of your faculties. And I was a little worried there for sort of like that period of time that he he's doing great, though. Everything's fine. Well, this has been a delight. Not going to lie. This is going to make shooting you the next time more troublesome. So it's going to make punching you real hard troublesome, but not impossible. Yeah, as outcomes go, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. You know, breaking bread. It's uh, important for resolving any existing or future conflicts. Well, at least I expect that uh, next time we meet, we're going to do it over a poker table. Or a Baccarat table. I'll teach them how to play. Or through a roulette table. Don't get my hopes up too much. Listen, if the next time that we're headed towards a casino, uh, we'll let you know. Maybe we'll meet you there. And then Rick says, hey... You never take me to a casino. <laughs> there is a damn good reason for that, and you know exactly what it is. Crimson Gold Agonies is an associate of Court Games and D20 Radio. Joaquin Jarve, aka Berserkir, is played by Brent Torreson. They can be found at Copper Credit almost everywhere. Check out their other podcasts, Splinters of Jade and L5R Thriller Actual Play. They are available for editing work. Message them for rates. Johnny Jennings, aka The Highwayman, is played by Sam Sedlachzer. They can be found at SGCADelaysec on Instagram and YoungSpaceDead on Twitter. They are largely impressive. John Doe is played by Bradley Handler. You can follow him at JudgeTheBarbarian on Twitter or as co-writer on Split Roll, where he screams his opinions at you. Ludo handles the rest. You can find them at The Lettel and more of her stuff as Agonizing Crimson at Itchio or co-writing Split Roll. Citadel Comics RPG is the property of Greater Than Games and designed in collaboration with Critical Hits.
Kingdom Gold Agonies is possible through the support of listeners like you. You can support us on Patreon or even better, you can review us on iTunes and you can spread the word because there is no better way to get into a podcast because a friend told us about it.